Hello and welcome back to Primity, where we find simple techniques to help address modern problems for our primitive bodies. My name is Andrew Pafford, and I'm a health and wellness professional with over a decade of experience helping Olympic-level athletes, desk jockeys, and seniors achieving their goals and improving their quality of life. In today's episode, we'll be touching base on plantar fasciitis. We'll go over three points. What is plantar fasciitis? Mechanisms of injury, or how one develops plantar fasciitis. And what are some simple at-home approaches to dealing with plantar fasciitis? As a reminder, our purpose with Primity is to distill results of scientific findings and to easily approach strategies and techniques to help improve our health and wellness. So to start today off, plantar fasciitis is not an uncommon condition that can affect young and old, men and women, athletic and sedentary populations. Let's begin by breaking down what the name means as that can shed some light about what's going on. So the plantar surface, spelt P-L-A-N-T-A-R, plantar, refers to the underside of your foot, or the plantar surface. There are actually four layers of muscles underneath of our foot. It's the first line of shock absorption, and it has to carry us on a daily basis, so it makes sense that the foot has such layered architecture in order to support us. The fascia refers to the connective tissue that exists all over our bodies, helping to connect muscle to bone, muscle to muscle, and other surrounding tissue. Finally, the suffix, itis, literally just translates as inflammation. So there you have inflammation in the connective tissue in the underside of the foot is quite literally what plantar fasciitis translates to. Now, many musculoskeletal conditions are named after the symptoms or injuries yet they don't exactly shed light necessarily on the mechanisms of injury or how one managed to go about doing themselves harm. In this case, plantar fasciitis can happen from overuse, underuse, or even simply poor posture. We'll shed light on this by understanding a tad bit more about the actual anatomy of the foot. Those four layers in the foot that we mentioned, four layers of muscle attached from the heel to the toes, However, they're also connected to the calf through that fascial layer that surrounds the plantar surface. For a better visual, think of the fascia as almost like saran wrap, but tougher and more meshy or spiderwebby in look. This fascia also links the calf muscles and Achilles tendon to the plantar surface, and that's, an, and that's important to remember, and we'll address it in just a moment. So the muscles in our foot run from our toes to our heel and even from our heel to our calf via the Achilles tendon. And all of that is connected by the fascia. So when you step, all of the structures work in concert to help support each other, absorb shock, and generate power. With this, let's begin to dissect now all the fun various ways that system can fall apart. First up is posture. While not quite as deft as our hands, our feet are actually quite flexible and versatile and can move in quite a number of ways that we don't always appreciate. Much like we can get back pain or wrist pain from poor posture to desk or lifestyle choices, our feet can suffer from poor posture as well. One way is to keep the foot in a plantar flexed position for an extended period of time. Now that's fancy physio talk for toes pointed or stepping on the gas pedal, if you will, is the plantar flexed position. In this position, the muscles of the calf and plantar surface are contracted and shortened. And as we discussed in episode one about being desk bound, we named how improper chair height can promote the foot being left in that plantar flexed position, and now we have a consequence that can arise from our poor setup. Further, shoes with lifts 
leave the foot in a plantar flexed position. I don't think I need to tell anyone that has worn a shoe with any kind of heel for an extended period of time that it is extremely uncomfortable on your foot, and this is one big reason why. In episode two, we talked about HRMT, the human resting muscle tension, and how our bodies will work to adopt positions that are held for an extended period of time. So by leaving that foot pointed or stepping on that gas pedal, whether by bad chair or poor shoe choice, the muscles in the foot and calf begin to shorten and adopt that new position over time. This is one reason why stretches are typically recommended or prescribed to patients with plantar fasciitis. However, that might not be as effective or could potentially even contribute to the condition as we will soon elaborate on in a moment with our at-home approaches to dealing with plantar fasciitis. So with our new shortened muscles, we then attempt to hop up or pop off our heels and try to return to a neutral foot position. But with all those muscles being shorter, a neutral position is now difficult to achieve, and now the neutral position is effectively stretching or pulling on that soft tissue constantly, to the point of beginning to cause micro-tears in the muscle, the tendons, and or the fascia, which in turn leads to the pain and discomfort. And because this postural mechanism for injury happens very slowly over time, the onset can be insidious and hard to pinpoint as a definitive root cause of the injury. Another mechanism we'll say is an active overuse injury. If postural is a more of a postural will be more passive, though the foot is, quote, using that position, albeit it is not actively engaged. An active overuse injury would be performing something like running or jumping to the point of sustaining injury. As is the case with training, our tissue sustains damage that our bodies need to repair and hopefully to the point that they grow back stronger. If, however, an individual were to beat themselves up more slash faster than the body could recover from, it doesn't take a physiology specialist to know that at some point the damage would begin to accrue faster than it could heal until finally an injury presents, catastrophic or no. In this case, micro tears from impact and use of the plantar muscles and connective tissue are not healing adequately, and the damage is compounding to the point that normal walking could be quite painful as the inflammation begins to scale with the damage done to the foot. In both scenarios, you can imagine that once torn, that soft tissue is now compromised. Because of this, it makes it much easier to make the tear worse. This is why plantar fasciitis becomes such a nagging condition, because once it's torn, it's hard to stop the tearing from happening. So what are some science-based tools that we can use to help us take a step in the right direction? Pun intended. For starters, posture fixes. If your chair currently is not letting your feet plant flat on the floor, adjust your chair. If your chair does not adjust, you can obtain a footstool, which will effectively bring the ground to you. For heel wearers, it may not be that simple. Swearing off heels immediately is almost akin to going cold turkey on smoking or boozing. You might be in for some nasty withdrawal symptoms. Remember how we discussed that the foot is adopting a shortened position, so returning to neutral is what is uncomfortable slash could be causing more damage? For those with plantar fasciitis, wearing a heel can actually bring relief because it's preventing the stretch on the tissues, albeit helping to further their condition by keeping them in that shortened position. In this case, a quote-unquote step-down, no pun intended that time, program might be needed to wean yourself off of an elevated heel. 
So taking stock of your shoes by heel height and gradually working your way down, say from a two and a half inch to a two inch and so on and so forth, so as to give the muscles time to stretch out ever so gently over time without overstretching them and causing tissue damage. Now for my athletes who don't know when to say no, you likely need a little versatility in your program. Plantar fasciitis is typically an overuse injury when presenting in athletes, but could be compounded with postural faux pas with the aforementioned lifestyle factors. The biggest culprit, however, that I've seen from my clients is lack of training diversity. I get it. You have a 5K or a marathon coming up, and the best way to train running is to run. However, being a one-trick pony means opening yourself up to issues such as plantar fasciitis, and the body was meant to do so much more than to only run. So you should be doing more things than just running when training for a specific goal. Is your cardio not up to snuff and that's what's holding you back in your running performance? Rowing and biking are just as effective at challenging your cardio, but involve zero impact and stress on the foot because your feet are fixed. Are you a beginning runner, but your feet are deconditioned and are not tolerating the impact well? Weightlifting is a great non-impact way of strengthening the muscles in the foot. Using deadlifts, squatting, and kettlebell work while barefoot are fantastic ways to add intensity to the intrinsic muscles and provide gradual progression, which can lead to stronger feet. Now, this last bit applies to both parties, as it can help not only stymie the mechanism of injury, but also aid in the healing process, and that is soft tissue work. Whether it's myofascial release, trigger point, whatever you want to call it, self-massage is a fantastic way to get the ball rolling, so to speak, on your recovery. I'm a personal fan of a lacrosse ball, as it's extremely versatile for self-massage on many points of the body. They're very durable and last forever, and they're extremely cheap and easy to acquire. In this case, you can gently step on a ball and apply pressure as needed to help massage that plantar surface of the foot. Additionally, calves are often overlooked area that can strongly contribute to plantar fasciitis as well. Using a foam roller, dumbbell handle, kettlebell handle, barbell, rolling pin from the kitchen, all of these tools can be used to provide self-massage to the calf. Additionally, all this can be done prior to exercise to ensure that the tissues are not stiff and therefore less likely to tear pre prior to exercise, and done after exercise they can help keep the muscles from stiffening up after all the stress. These can also be done seated while at work to try to combat the HRMT, so the time originally spent getting yourself into this pickle is now spent actively getting you out. It's not hard to sit at your desk and have a ball at your feet that you can roll around on, helping to massage your muscles while you're doing work. We will work to update the show notes with links to videos on the specifics of how to do these soft tissue techniques as well. We discussed previously why stretching without doing soft tissue work prior can make bad situations worse. If the soft tissue is tearing, tugging on a torn tissue might not make it better. As we discussed, how stretching is only effective when the muscle isn't contracting and fighting the stretch. So if HRMT is still a roadblock, those calf stretches might not do much to improve your situation and they could help exacerbate it in the process. We've covered these points in episode two about how soft tissue can undo the HRMT and the mechanisms with which it does that, but we've not yet discussed soft tissue's role in tissue healing specifically. 
By using compression, one is able to mechanically push fluid from inflamed tissues. And once that fluid is pushed out, it actually creates negative pressure, which, act, which then helps draw blood from the surrounding area into those tissues. So with frequent self-massage, one can not only reduce the severity of inflammation, but even speed up the time it takes tissues to heal. We've even attached a nice study in the show notes regarding all the gory details of the very specific mechanisms explaining why that's not just a bunch of hooey, how massage can absolutely help speed up tissue recovery. So quick recap for today. Plantar fasciitis happens when soft tissue in the foot begins to tear. Tears can happen from muscles becoming shortened, from less than ideal postural use, or even chronic overuse. Changing seated positions and footwear can stop piling on the problem, and doing soft tissue work can help begin to undo some of the damage done and promote healing. Athletes who are developing plantar fasciitis need to engage in exercise that is non-impactful so they can keep up their training while simultaneously preventing further damage to the feet and doing soft tissue work to reduce resting tension and promote healing as well. We'll work to make instructional videos on how to do some of these soft tissue techniques and we'll update the show notes once we've got them posted. So please send us all your health related questions to info at primedy.org. It's P-R-I-M-E-D-Y.org. We may not be able to respond to everyone, but your input greatly affects our topics we discuss and we appreciate your time very much. And remember, strength comes in many forms from without and within. So be strong to be useful. Take care.